Today we start something new. It's Easter, and we're going to start looking at Easter. To help you do that, um, if you have your web-enabled smartphone here, a couple things I'd like to ask you to do. First of all, can you put up the uh, login information? Thanks. Because everybody wants that, I know. Um, can you check in on Facebook? Do you guys do that? It'd be awesome. If you could just check in, that'd be great. Um, the, the, the next thing I wanted to tell you was that there's a free app called Uversion. And if you have that, and you look at the bottom, there's a tab in the bottom right corner that's called More. If you tap on More, it'll open up a menu, and on that menu there'll be one called Events. Go for Events, and then you can follow along with everything that's going to be happening here. If you take notes on your phone, it'll, uh, it'll save them for you, and you can also have access to all the references of the Scripture that we're going to use if you're not a paper person. If you're a paper person, we have a handout. We have something that you can use to follow along with there because here's one of the biggest things for us. I don't believe that you should believe me. I believe that you should believe Jesus, so you need to check out what I say. So whatever I say, we kind of have notes for you so you can go back and check it out. We don't have time to give you the whole reference sometimes, and so we give you a section and we say, you got this for the rest of the week. Go back and look at it. See if you can get this stuff straight. Work it out in your mind and pay attention to what's going on there. So if you would like one of the paper copies, I think Cheryl's back there right now. She didn't know I was going to say that. But if you want a paper copy, um, just uh, put up your hand or something. She'll bring it to you. There's also a tear-out part of the, uh, the paper version. And if you're, uh, if you're visiting or you want us to have some of your contact information, you want, us to let it, let, you want to let us, you want to let us know that you are here, um, fill that out. And there's a basket right on the back under the center window. It says offering. And for part of our offering, we like to be able to, uh, to have communication as well. We believe that your communication is worth something to us. So on the back of the information side is, I would like. I would like someone to pray with me. I would like someone to meet with me. I'm interested in talking about something. I want to talk about baptism, whatever it is. There's a way that you can do that. Because if you talk to me today, I promise you that as much as you're awesome, I will forget. And I don't want to do that. So if you could write those things down, put them in the contact uh, box at the back, the offering box. The offering box is back there too. So if you would like to participate in supporting the work of God or just show that you are devoted to Jesus in that way, we have an offering basket back there. There are envelopes back there to make sure that you can be receipted properly. If you prefer the online, if you go to our website, intoone.ca, there is a Donate Now button, and you can um, donate directly through that, through Canada Helps. As we have said in the past, it's just a special significance. I need to bring it up again today. Our offering, sometimes we say, if you bring some food or you bring some lightly used clothing or household goods, we take that as offering as well. We believe that's significant. We can redistribute that. And we redistribute also partly through one of our partners. If you look at the back of your handout, you'll see that one of our partners is the Jesus Network. And we have tried to support them as they are um, involved in meeting with a lot of people who are new to Canada, a lot of people who have no positive association with Christianity, and they try to be Jesus for these people. And we're lucky today because uh, Sean and Haley, are, uh, Cut Hill, are, well, the whole family is here, but Sean and Haley, who run the Jesus Network, are, are with us today. So thanks, guys, for coming. Appreciate that. Um, so that's just the way uh, offering works around here. Um, right. At the end, we have a free gift for you as well. So if you would like you can come meet me at the back door, and we have a free gift for you. There's one that's more adult level, and there's one that's more kid level. You decide. And if you're really good, maybe you can be both. 
All right, pray with me as we get started here. Kind Father, speak to us today. Your Spirit is welcome in this place, and you're welcome to move as you see fit. I ask that you would speak to me today. I ask that you would speak through me today. And I pray the same thing for my friends that are gathered here today. Lord Jesus, we want to focus on you and hear from you today. So speak, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You've probably seen this image before. It's this season that comes out a lot. It's the three crosses. You see them lined up on a hill, uh, sometimes beautiful and picturesque with the lighting in the background with misty clouds going by. But we see those three crosses, and one symbolizes our dying Savior. We've always had him in the middle. That was the idea in the picture. And then on both his sides, on his right and his left, were what we call two thieves. The Bible doesn't tell us much about these two thieves. We don't know where they're from. We don't know what they did. Uh, we don't know who they were or how old they were. We don't, we don't know what they did to deserve death, but that's where they were with Jesus being killed. We also know that they both interacted with Jesus from their crosses. One of the criminals looked at Jesus and hurled insults at him and said, you call yourself the Christ? Christ is another word for Savior. You, you call yourself the one who can save. You saved others. Why don't you save yourself and us? The other one, though, had a very short, very simple conversation that changed his eternity, and it might just change yours, too. When the repentant thief looked at Jesus, he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus looked at that criminal, the one who had already gone to trial, who had deserved death, and then Jesus, this is the way he is, some of the most remarkable, some of the most grace-filled words we ever hear in direct contact with someone who doesn't deserve it. He says, today, you will be with me in paradise. Incredible. So incredible, it makes me think of a game show. Can you give me the game show music, please? Whenever we think of people, whenever we think of ourselves, we like to assess. We like to see who's who and what's what. And so what I want you to do now is play this little game. It's called What's Your Number? And I want you to think in your head, you don't have to say it out loud, what's your number? How good are you? So at 100, we have Jesus. At zero or one, we have really bad, okay? So where are you on the scale? Take a second to think about that. One-ish, you're creepy, you're a weirdo, you're a loser, sinner, bad, we don't like you. So lower digits, as we're coming up from zero, we get like axe murderer, Hitler, people with five or more cats, you know, bad, bad people. The higher end, I don't have numbers, but the higher end, you get like Mother Teresa, she's right up there, right? Woo, Mother Teresa's always been so popular, and Billy Graham, of course, Billy Graham's right up there. Where do you rank yourself? Where do you see yourself in that? One's the lowest, hundred's the highest. All right? So that part about me saying you didn't have to say where you are, well, I'm going to change that now. If you were 1 to 30, is there anyone here who's 1 to 30? Honestly. You know, yeah, okay. Well, we're glad you're here. Honestly, uh, you lower end bad people, this is a good place for you to be, and you're welcome here. We're glad that you're here. Those of you who ranked yourself 30 to 50, 
30 to 50. All right? That's good. Glad that you're here too. Um, Hey, congratulations, you're at the lower end. But without you, there wouldn't be a higher end. So you are doing something important. You're doing a great job with that. Raise your hand if you said 50 to 80. 50 to 80. Yeah, let's get up there. If you're sitting beside a 50 to 80 person, just tap them on the shoulder and say, wow, you're a good person. I'm glad you're here. We need more good people. I'm glad you're here. All right. 80 to 100. Anyone who's 80 to 100, you're right up at the top here. You're the cream of the crop. You're great. You think you're so great. Um, (laughs) Well, thank you very much. You can't rate somebody else. Uh, It's interesting. You know, it's kind of funny to think to yourself, how do we rank ourselves? Because we don't really pull in a whole lot of factors when we're doing it. We sort of think, we, we, we round a whole lot of stuff off. And sometimes it depends on what you had for breakfast, how you feel about yourself. Depends the whole thing about how you're feeling that day. But we like to do this. We like to compare ourselves to others. And so when you were thinking, this is the number I have, you probably had somebody else in mind. Someone else above and somebody else below. That's the way you work. That's the way I work. We say, I'm not so bad because you should think of so-and-so, right? I wasn't pointing at Justin. That kind of looked like I was pointing at Justin. Purely coincidental and not legally binding. Um, But let me give you two simple thoughts about this. When you compare yourself to others, here's two things that are happening. One of two things. This is the way it goes. First, you're going to feel better about yourself. If you're sitting beside someone who you think is not as good as you, and, you know, that might be happening right now. You might be sitting beside someone who you believe quite clearly is not as good as you. You compare yourself to them and you feel better about yourself. You say, you know what, I don't cuss like they do. I'm not a bad person like they are. I try to help people when they're in need. You know what, I even give money occasionally to try and help out. I even go to church now and then. Like today, I'm even in church. I'm generally a good person. I try hard. And the clincher, the kicker, the one that we all like to come back to is, I've never killed anyone. Right? That makes me a good person. I don't cheat on my taxes as much as other people do. You know, I'm a pretty good person. And when I compare myself to the right people, I can feel like I am great. I feel good about myself. Now, if on the other hand, you are sitting beside someone who feels like they might be better than you, that quite often makes you feel worse about yourself. You might feel a little bit inadequate. They show up some of your weaknesses, some of your failings. They're not quite as clear. For example, this has happened. Um, Maybe you're sitting beside that mom, that mom who has the, the, the tattoo that seems to be just built right in, the big S on the front, super mom. Everywhere she goes, she's got perfect hair. No matter how many kids she's got, no matter what time of day or night you see her, she's got perfect hair. Her kids are always so well-behaved. She's annoyingly perfect. She's so annoying, you love her, but she's so annoying. Her house is perfect. Her kids are perfect. She decorates so well. It's all so lovely. And, and, and you say, how does she do that? How does she stay on top of all that? She makes me feel bad about myself. I know I'm supposed to love her. That's the right thing to do, right? I know I'm supposed to love her. But sometimes, 
sometimes I secretly hate her guts. She makes me look bad, and I don't like to be exposed like that. I feel inadequate when I'm around her. And so it could be the, the guy. You know, there's, there's a guy that you meet, and it just seems like whatever he does turns into money. Like the guy falls down and he makes money. Everywhere he goes, he's making money. He's going, yeah, hey, you should check out my new boat. Why don't you see my new car? We're going to redecorate the house. Oh, I'm going to buy a new house. And it, it all just works for him. There's no effort, it seems. Like he doesn't have to have it hard like I do. How come he's so perfect? Or maybe you're a sincere person and you want to be a follower of Jesus. You want to please God. You honestly want that connection with him. You think that by being a Christian, this is somehow going to connect you, but you found someone else. You just don't seem to get it right. You're trying, but you're not really connecting. But you know that other guy? That other guy, he's got the M on his shirt. He's mega. He's mega Christian. And mega Christian is the one who always knows the right thing. No matter what problem somebody else in his life, because it's never his problem, no matter what problem comes along, he's got the perfect thing to say, the perfect Bible verse. Let me just quote it for you. And I think God said this. And I think God said that. And you go, ah, oh, I can never do that. I never have the right thing to say. And it doesn't matter whether the cat died or the airplane exploded. He just always knows the right way to say it. And you say, that's lousy. And when you hear him pray, oh my goodness, you can't stand listening to him pray because he's eloquent. And, and, and it just seems to flow and it comes from his heart. And if you're thinking, well, if I was God, I would say, yeah, check, that. you got that one for sure. Yep, check. Is there anything else? If we're here anyways, tell me what else you want and I'll do it for you. And when I pray, it just feels sometimes like it doesn't leave the room. And I wish there was something more. My prayers just aren't quite as good. When we compare ourselves, we can feel better about ourselves. Or we can feel worse about ourselves. You compare yourselves to others and you think, if they know what I've done, we're not talking the surface, if they knew what I was really like on a scale of 1 to 100, how good of a person are you? How would you rank yourself? You go, I don't want those numbers to be exposed. I don't want that to come out. If I actually had to go down a checklist, I don't want this kind of information coming out. We're going to look at sort of what's going on here. So if you have your Bible, or you can follow along on the screen, or in your notes, or on your phone, we're going to go to Luke, Luke chapter 23. Luke is in the New Testament, and we're going to look at two people who are kind of known for not being so good. They were hanging with Jesus. They were hanging with Jesus. I don't have a rim shot up here. Um, these guys were beside Jesus, and we know that the, the reason that there is because they were bad. They had done bad things. So Luke chapter 23, we're going to start at verse 32. Two other men, both criminals. In other words, again, not good people, were also led out with Christ to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified Jesus along with the criminals, one on his right, the other is on his left. So criminals and crucifixion, let me just tell you a little about this. Uh, who's next to him? Criminals. Not good people. They were um, designated by society as being bad. And the chances are very, very good that they were considered the lowest of the low in society. We're talking like 30 and under. When Jesus lived, crucifixion was one of many different ways to execute people. They had a lot. Execution was a good thing, but crucifixion is special. 
an exceptional way that we don't normally think of. Crucifixion is special because it's expensive. It's really expensive to execute someone. So execution by crucifixion was reserved kind of for two things. One was to publicly humiliate someone, especially someone who had been leading at some point. We publicly want to shame this person. And the other side is to intimidate because crucifixion is excruciating pain. So you're thinking to yourself, it's just about time for fun with words, right? Fun with words is another thing that we like to play every once in a while. And fun with words is going to start with the word excruciating. Excruciating, it literally means out of the cross. The word we use today to describe the worst pain, the, the, the top end of bad pain, is excruciating. Ex crucifix, out of the cross. Very expensive. And it was expensive because it took at least four Roman soldiers plus a centurion. They're all working to make this thing happen. And it doesn't just happen. You have yourself a good quality beheading and that is done. But crucifixion can last three, can last four days. These guys start to go into overtime. And it's an expensive way to get rid of people. So if you're a Roman citizen, you're not going to get crucified. They give you the privilege of asking for the way that you want to die. And the way that most often people choose, they're blessed enough to be beheaded. Nice and fast, it's done. But this, we have guys up on the cross three, four days. The sun beats down on them. They're up there, they're exposed, they're naked. They start going mad. Animals start eating at their flesh. That humiliation, the torture that was going on there, it's a bad bad thing. So for these guys, it, they must have done something significantly wrong to be there. So quite often you would think of, in, even in the uh, Israel, they would be slaves. Slaves would be someone that would be targeted in this way that you would want to um, destroy. Destroy them physically and emotionally. So first you kind of got an insult to Jesus that he's there at all. Secondly, you've got him surrounded by criminals. This is who he is. They're considered the lowest of the low. There's probably two slaves that committed crimes. So Jesus is hanging, again, by what we would call the worst people in the world. And verse 39 goes on to say, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at Jesus. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said? Since you're under the...
boldly that we are forgiven. And there is a very large difference. Good people don't go to heaven because in reality, none of us are good. Scripture says that God alone is good and that all of us fall short of the standard of God. And the good news is that good people don't go to heaven. That's the good news because forgiven people go to heaven. What does it take to be forgiven? What does a forgiven person do? I've sinned. I've done something wrong. And in verse 41, we can see that we are, the uh, thief is saying, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. In other words, he's acknowledging to all of them there, we've sinned. We did it. We messed up. And what's interesting today is so many people don't want to admit to doing anything wrong. There is a reason. There's an excuse. It's not my fault. I didn't really do it. Well, sure, I'm not perfect, but I'm better than most. I'm better than many, and that should be enough. And when we compare ourselves to other people, it's easy for us to rank ourselves perhaps even above average. But when we compare ourselves to Christ, Christ is 100. None of us are a 100. None of us are good people. The Bible is clear. If you look in the book of James, James is the brother of, or the half-brother of Jesus. So if there's anyone who knew what Jesus was really like, it was James. And he says this, for the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. If you've done one thing in God's eyes, one thing wrong in God's eyes, you're as guilty as if you had broken all of them. Your sin separates you from him as much as if you had broken every single one. So it doesn't matter if on that score chart you were a 12 or a 48, a 72, or a 99.9999. We've all fallen short, and we are not good enough by our own behavior and our morals before God. The forgiven criminal admits he's wrong. I've sinned. I've done something wrong. The next thing the forgiven criminal does is he asks for eternal help. Don't miss this, because this is an important distinction as well. Both criminals ask for help. They both are aware in their situation that they need help. And a lot of people today do the same thing. When it comes to God, they might not be sure if there is a God, but if there is one, they certainly want God to help them out in this life. And that's what the first one does. Jesus, if you are the Christ, save yourself. And hey, while you're at it, help me out too. Save us also. In other words, God, if you're there, make my life better. And we hear this prayer that comes up all the time, right? God, if you're really there, heal my grandmother of cancer. Help me get the promotion. Help me get that date. Help me buy the house. Give me the raise. God, if you're there, help me now. But the forgiven one asks for help eternally. And here's what he said in verse 42. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. 
Today you will be with me in paradise. Both thieves were guilty. Both were suffering severely. Both were dying. Both needed a Savior. Both heard and saw the same things during that fateful six hours on Friday. One was forgiven and one wasn't. The reality is that every single one of us today, we're going to be one of those two thieves. And the amazing thing is this, if you look around this room, there will be those of you and you're going to sit absolutely right beside someone, right up close to them. One of you, your eyes are going to be open spiritually and you're going to see and understand what God is saying to you. You're going to call on Christ. You're going to be forgiven for everything you've ever done. You're going to be totally transformed. You're going to be brand new spiritually and your life on earth eternally will never be the same. And sitting right beside you will be someone else who will hear the same things. They'll experience the same stuff. They'll have the same need and they're going to say, check, service done. Where are we going for lunch? And nothing is going to happen. And they will leave exactly the same way as they came. Both have the same need. Both have the same opportunity. And one is transformed and one leaves exactly the same. You are one of those two thieves today. It doesn't matter what your score number was. You are one of those. And here's the deal because of what Jesus did. His death, Friday. His resurrection, Sunday. No matter what your number is, he makes up the difference. If you're an 82, he's what you're missing. If you're a 12, he's what you're missing. He makes up the difference. But if we're going to be really technical here, technically, you, me, we're zero. That's where we are. He is 100. And when you call on him, you become a 100. Not because of your goodness, but because of his goodness. You become a 100. For those who are in Christ, you are not a 79 or a 3. You are now a 100. You are declared righteous because of what he did for you on the cross. The Bible couldn't say it any more clearly than this in Romans chapter 3, verse 20. Therefore, no one, no one, even if they stand on the platform, will be declared righteous in God's sight by observing the law. Through the law, we become conscious of sin. We become aware of it. The law is not there to say, oh, that's awesome. I did it all. I qualify. The law shows us that you can never do it all, and you need a Savior. Here's the good news. But now, for those of you who've been with us for a while, we did a while back, we did big butts of the Bible. This is one of the big butts. This is one of the biggest butts of the Bible. But now, a righteousness comes from God. Apart from the law. Not because of the law, apart from the law. And it's been made known. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who would believe. This righteousness is from faith, not works. You can't earn it. It's from faith in Christ. There's nothing you can do to make it happen. It's not from religious activity. It's not from joining a church, even if it's this one. It's not from being good enough. 
It's not somehow from being reversed and being bad enough. It's from faith in Christ alone. The forgiven criminal on the cross, he couldn't do any good works. His hands were bound. He couldn't turn over a new leaf. His feet were nailed to the cross. This guy couldn't give money to some organization because he couldn't get down. He couldn't start over and say, from now on, I'll always or I'll never, if this just, I'll... He couldn't do anything but trust in the grace of Christ, saved by faith in Him, not by works, because the reality, again, is this. Leave with this in your head. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. It's because of what Jesus did on the cross when He gave His life and said, Father, into your hands I commit your spirit. And He died. Three days later, the stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty. We celebrate that today. And I declare to you today, we can be forgiven because He is risen. Our sins are forgiven and we can be in Christ. You are no longer at 22, a 72. You are now a 100 because He is risen. And that's why we can declare boldly as, uh, from 1 Peter, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, again, we didn't earn it and we didn't deserve it. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Though, he will never, though we will never know what it was, we do know that the one criminal experienced the love of God through Jesus Christ. When he could do nothing to make things right, the faith that he had in Jesus, he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus looked at that dying criminal and said, today you will be with me in paradise. Would you pray with me, please? Pray together. God, I ask that somehow by the power of your spirit that eyes would be opened to see the truth of the sacrifice, the death the shed blood and the resurrection of your son, Jesus. God, I pray that the truth of your word that says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. God, I pray that the truth of your word would penetrate deep into our souls and that we would realize, God, that because of what you did, in your eyes, we are a 100. That no matter what we've done in the past, no matter how frequently we've done it in the past, no matter that sin that we are battling with today, the shame that's in our hearts and our minds right now, these things can be forgiven because of the blood that Jesus shed. I pray today, God, that those who are carrying the weight of their past sin or the feelings of inadequacy, God, that you would just, like Jesus stepped out of the empty tomb, that they would step out of the tomb of condemnation. God, that whoever the sun sets free, they would be free indeed. Set them free today. Oh, God, set them free. And there are some of you that God brought here specifically for this moment. You've gone through life thinking, I hope I'm good enough. Have I done enough to make up for my bad things? Have I done enough good things to pay it all off? I hope I'm good enough. And I pray today that you realize you're not. And you never will be. And there's not a single one of us good enough that all of us have sinned and we all fall short of the standard of God. And here's the beauty of the good news, the, the gospel. Jesus died to make up that gap. 
if you want this to be true in your life, then throw yourself on the mercy and grace of God and pray this. And pray this with me. Everyone, if we pray this aloud together, this makes it easier for people who want to pray this for the first time. So, Heavenly Father, I acknowledge I am a sinner and I need a Savior. Jesus, save me, forgive me. Make me brand new. I believe you died for me so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you always. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.